helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. In today's show, Isaac the Traumatized Son Part 2. Michael will be using the biblical story of Isaac in Genesis 22 verses 1 to 19 to discuss the long-term impact of unresolved trauma. If you are new to this show, we are on the air every Monday at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about our not-for-profit organization by going to elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or by calling 1-877-544-3546. Elim is a professional counseling organization that provides professional counseling from a Christian perspective. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Let's go right into today's show. It is so good to be back in studio today to continue the show that we started last week. Last week's show was titled, Isaac, the Traumatized Son. And we use the passage from Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to 19. It's a story of Abraham and his son Isaac on Mount Moriah, where Abraham was about to offer his only son Isaac as a sacrifice before God intervened through an angel and told him not to lay his hands on his son. And so God prevented that incident from becoming the ugliest incident that would ever be found on the pages of scripture. Can you imagine if Abraham had actually offered his son, killed his son as a sacrifice? That would be one of those stories in the Bible that we would have a hard time understanding why God would permit such a thing to happen. So the story resolved itself in that Abraham did not offer his son, an angel intervened, and God provided a lamb for the sacrifice. However, last week we said that many of us read the story uh, through that lens of the resolution that happened. Thank God that Abraham didn't offer his son Isaac. Thank God that Isaac wasn't killed. Thank God that the angel intervened. But many of us miss the trauma. Many of us miss how Isaac as a son must have felt in that situation. And so last week we read a few verses of the 19 verses. We we read from verse 6 to verse 12 last week. But today I want to zero in on just the trauma part of it. And in today's show, I will be looking at some of the things that can be done if you're suffering from trauma. I'll be giving some strategies in this show as that will help you to be able to deal with any kind of trauma that you're going through. But before I do that, I just want to say thank you. Thanks to those of you who have been calling in and have been leaving your comments about last week's show. The comments have been overwhelming so far. And one comment in particular from 
Jennifer, who said, I have never heard the story of Isaac talked about in that way before. Thank you for the insights. I can now relate to the story in a way I never could before. Thank you very much for that comment, Jennifer. It's our aim in this show to be able to bring Bible passages to life that people can relate to and be helped by this these passages. And so it's good to hear someone out there saying that the way the story was explained last week, that they can now identify identify with Isaac. So let's go to the verses that we will be focusing on today to discuss what can be done if you're suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder or if you're suffering from any kind of trauma response that is affecting your life. So the verses are verse 9 to 12 of Genesis 22 and those verses read as follows. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Do not lay hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So if we read this passage through spiritual lens, we can uh, see in it the obedience of Abraham, the obedience to God. We can see in it the fact that Abraham placed God as priority and he was willing to do anything. He was even willing to let go of his son, the son of his promise. And we can look at it through those lens and we can come away thinking of this story through only the spiritual implication of it. We can also see in it a type of Jesus that God sent his only son, Jesus, to this world to die for the sins of humanity. But what we did last week was to look at this passage through psychological lens. And we looked and we thought about what it must have been like for Isaac to be in that situation. Isaac, a boy who was old enough to carry wood up a mountain. Isaac, a boy who was old enough to realize that the blood of an animal was about to be shed as a sacrifice. Isaac, who was old enough to ask his father, Father, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? I see the wood. I I see the things for the fire. I see the, the knife. But where is the lamb. How are you going to offer a sacrifice when there is no blood that is going to be shed? So Isaac is already thinking in terms of there is going to be the blood of an animal that is going to be all over this altar and there is going to be fire on the altar as this burnt offering go up to God. But he's puzzled. And this child is old enough to understand that there is something different about this day. He must have been more and more suspicious 
suspicious with each step that they took up the mountain. So at a certain point, he had to voice his concerns. Dad, where is the animal that you're about to kill? So with that in mind, let us take it now to where Abraham grabbed his son, tied him up with ropes, placed him on the altar where the wood has been laid and sprinkled with inflammable substance that would cause it to burn into flame. And the knife has been sharpened. And Isaac, this boy, as I said last week, must have been kicking and screaming as his father tied him up and placed him on that altar. And he must have been terrified as his father raised his hand with that knife in a motion as if he was about to kill him on that altar. And it was at that point that the angel of the Lord intervened. And we tend to read the story at that point and breathe a sigh of relief and go, thank God that Isaac's life was, was saved. Now life continues as normal. But last week we said, no, that's not the case at all. Life did not continue as normal. When there is trauma in a family, life is never the same after the trauma. When a child is traumatized, whether it be by incest or rape or physical abuse, it is never the same again in that family if the action is perpetrated by someone who was supposed to love and care for that child. And I don't have the time to go over all the, the points that we covered last week in showing that the relationship was changed drastically between Abraham and Isaac after that. So if you missed last week's show, I recommend that you listen to it to get all the differences. But it is good to note that the only time that we see Abraham and Isaac together after that incident is at, is at, is at Abraham's funeral, at Abraham's burial. And we see Isaac standing there by the graveside. But we see that there is a hint that there was something wrong in that picture because who else do we find standing by the graveside uh, at Abraham's death? Do you remember his other son who was kicked out? Do you remember his other son who was sent off, Abraham's other son who was sent off into the wilderness with his mother in a way that she could likely be killed? Yes, we're talking about Hagar's son, Ishmael. So at Abraham's burial, we see Ishmael and Isaac standing together. These two boys who have been hurt by their father in different way coming together. And it's as if the, the authors are trying to tell us that there is some kind of, of resolution that is happening that, that is only taking place at the time of Abraham's death. We see the two sons, Isaac and Ishmael mourning, they're standing at their father's grave at the time of their father's death. And so it is that trauma 
changes family. Trauma creates separation. And there are evidences that I pointed to last week that show that there was evident separation between Isaac and Abraham as a result of what happened on Mount Moriah. All of those references are in last week's show. So if you missed that show, you can go to our website, elimcounselingministry.com, and all of those, uh, all of that information will be there. So this boy, Isaac, is traumatized by his father's action. And I know some of you out there are thinking that Michael, what are you talking about? This boy, you know, he was, he trusted his father and he knew that his father wasn't going to kill him. And so he must not have been afraid. To me, that's not the case because even Abraham himself didn't know that he wouldn't kill his son. So he was preparing for the worst. Abraham had braced himself for the worst and Isaac must have been terrified. He must have been traumatized as a result of that of that incident. And last week we said that we got a hint of that something was wrong in verse 19 of the narrative because we are told in verse 19 that when they came down from the mountain that Abraham descended alone. There is no mention of Isaac in the descent coming down the mountain. We don't know what happened, but there is nothing mentioned. Verse 19 reads, Then Abraham returned to his servants, the servants who were at the foot of the mountain, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Abraham alone. There is no mention there of Isaac. So it could be possible that they came down together. But the authors of the scripture, under the under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, is helping us to realize that something is different in the relationship. If you read the narrative going up the mountain, there are several references to to them going up together and to use they the word they is used quite often in the narrative. But you come to verse 19 and there is a shift after after the incident where we have Abraham only. And trauma does that to family system. Trauma creates, when trauma is perpetrated by someone who has children in their care against the children, there is a separation that sometimes only death can bring back together. Sometimes people never speak again for the rest of their life. And even if they do speak, the relationship is never the same. And we get glimpses of this from the story of Abraham and and Isaac. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic Isaac the Traumatized Son Part 2. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Back to Michael. So let's now talk a little about if you have experienced a trauma, what are some of the things that you can do 
to overcome the negative impact of that trauma. Let me say uh, right off the bat that the, the, the things that we tend to do when we have experienced a trauma is the very opposite of what we should do. So what, what are some of the things that we do? Well, one thing for sure that people do when they have had a traumatic experience is that they try to avoid any memory of the trauma. They try to block the thoughts of the trauma coming into their minds. And that's understandable because Trauma by it, its very name is an unpleasant experience, a highly unpleasant and frightening experience. And so it's not strange that people would try not to think of those things. People will try to push away the, the memory. People even suppress the memory so, so deep down that they forget about it totally. But when that happens, the trauma is not resolved. The trauma will find a way to make its entrance back into your life in some way. They may come in the form of nightmares. They may come in the forms of flashbacks. The the, 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 the trauma might come back in the form of phobias or distressing thoughts and feelings. It may come in the form of unhealthy, untrusting relationship with others. It might come in the, the form of a very negative view of people and the world. So the point I am making here that it doesn't matter how hard you try to avoid the memory of the trauma, it's going to make its way into your life in some way. It will make its way there. And so the only healthy way to deal with trauma is to heal from the trauma. And if you try to push away the, the, the trauma, then it's not going to heal itself. You, d you need to do the opposite, which is welcome the memory of the trauma in a way that you can resolve it. Another thing uh, that we try to do that is also unhealthy where trauma is concerned is that we tend to have the tendency to, to avoid anything that reminds us of the trauma. And this is also a sure way of making sure that you never get over the trauma. So, for example, if someone is traumatized by being in a motor vehicle accident and they say to themselves, I'm so scared of motor vehicle that I will never go in a motor vehicle again. I will never go in a car again. What will happen is that they will have that fear for the rest of their lives. And so the only way to overcome the fear is to face it to deal with the stress of being in a car again, to deal with, with the anxiety that comes from, from, from being in the very place that the trauma took place. And so when it comes to treating trauma, we have this 
kind of exposure therapy that we do that is called imaginal exposure. And what it is, is it's a way of helping clients to recreate the trauma through their imagination. So let's picture for a moment that I had Isaac as a client and Isaac came in and Isaac is traumatized by is is the memory of what happened on Mount Moriah with his father and he have is having flashbacks of being burning in fire he has, he's having flashbacks of being stabbed by by someone and every time he sees an altar he breaks out into panic attack and it's just affecting his life and he can't trust authority figures in his workplace he's fired from several jobs because he just doesn't trust male authority figure because because his father had let him down in that way. And so if if Isaac came in as a result of these effects from a trauma and we were treating Isaac, what we would do would be to have Isaac recreate what happened on Mount Moriah through his imagination. So this would involve Isaac giving a description of what happened. A detailed description. What did the scene look like? Where was his father standing? When he was tied up and on the wood, what position was he tied up in? Was his hands tied behind his back? What did the knife look like? How big was the knife? And so as you begin to, as Isaac begin to think about these details. As a therapist, I would be making note of all of this detailed description. And then I would uh, play back or read back to Isaac what he had described and rate the level of his emotion from the response that he gives. So rating his emotion would also involve Isaac telling me what goes on in his body as he hears me read back to him the event that took place on Mount Moriah. And in many cases, people will say, as you read that, Michael, my heart begins to beat faster. I could feel my, my, my sweat. I could feel sweat running down my neck, or I felt as if I was choking. There was this sensation as if I could hardly breathe. And so these physical sensations and these detailed description of what he's feeling gives me an idea of how severe the trauma response is. So by recreating the trauma, what we are doing is teaching Isaac to be able to to relate to that situation in a way that is not fearful of it anymore. And so clients will start by having very severe reactions to the story when they tell it for the first time. But within, within six to ten sessions, they're not scared of what happened anymore. And when you read it back to them and you said, how do you feel today, Isaac, when you hear me read back this story to you in the ten session, they will say, it doesn't bother me 
any at all. It's just a distant memory to me now. So imaginal exposure therapy is very, very effective. And I use that as part of the EMDR work that I I do with clients. So if you want to find out more about that, then just give us a call and be happy to give you more information on that. But it doesn't matter what trauma you are go you have experienced. The procedure is more or less the same. And I can say that we have a very high success rate when it comes to resolving trauma. So another technique that gives the client control over the trauma is what we call the slow motion technique. So the slow motion technique is where the client is imagining the trauma, but they slow it down. So and they have a control where we said, imagine that you can pause at any time. You can pause, you can rewind, you can go forward. It's almost as if they're watching the trauma through an electronic device such as a, a television and they have control over it. So, the, so they don't have to be afraid of the memory anymore because they can now control it. They can slow it down and they can they can pause. And so the slow motion technique gives client uh, a way to look deeper at certain parts of the trauma, but also a way to, to control it. But there's also another very interesting technique that we use, and I call it the God strength technique, that the strength that comes through God technique. And this is where if a person is terrified, let us say that Isaac was so terrified that he could not imagine himself going up to be on Mount Moriah anymore because just even being around the mountain creates so much stress and panic for him. So we could do a, a God strength technique where Isaac imagine that God is holding his hand and walking with him up the mountain. So instead of his father, it is God. God or Jesus, if 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 he's a Christian, let's say Jesus is walking with you up the mountain, and you you're not afraid because Jesus is holding holding your hand and he's taking you back to that place, that scared place as a way of helping you to resolve the fear that you have. So the strength that comes from this, this might seem like, uh, you know, a very strange thing to do and it's just imagination, some of you might say, but I have seen people relive horrific experiences and they do that through the strength of knowing that when they imagine it, God is with them in that memory. God is with them. So Isaac could see himself on the altar with God standing over him, holding his hands and saying, you don't need to be afraid. I am here. You're not going to be hurt. And so whatever your trauma is, if you're a believer, it's important that you work with someone who believes in in spirituality, who can use your spirituality to help you cope. Because I think that many people are not healed of their trauma because this important spiritual peace is missing. I remember one uh, person, one gentleman who came in and he was he was actually tied up in a similar way, but it was in a dirt cellar by his parents. And he was left there for a long time and he was terrified because the cellar of his basement was open uh, to the public and, uh, you know, all kind of homeless people would also sleep there from time to time. And when we did this exercise of him going back to that place that, that he was traumatized by, he wasn't able to do it at first, but eventually he got 
to a place where just by imagining that God was there with him, he was able to overcome the fear and the nightmare stopped and everything resolved. The flashbacks even stopped. The flashbacks that when they would come, he would have racing heart and difficulty sleeping. All of that resolved itself. Even the anger that he had towards his parent was resolved once the trauma was dealt with. So I know there are many of you who I'm talking to out there today who have gone through some kind of trauma. Maybe it was a sexual abuse that you suffered. I see that a lot, a lot of sexual abuse offer within families and maybe you have been traumatized by this sexual abuse and you can identify with many of what I talk about. Many Christian couples have difficulties in their sexual relationships with their with their spouse because they have unresolved trauma that they have not, not dealt with. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven five four four three five four six for help. We'd be happy to walk with you through whatever difficulty you're going through. I want to remind you that both parts of this show are available on our YouTube channel. You can access that channel through our website, elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. We also want to ask for your support to keep the show on the air. You can donate through our website or at patreon.com slash Elim Counseling for as little as $5 monthly. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Mm-hmm.